Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, hey, What's happening? Good Wednesday to all of you. Thanks for joining me. As always, it is much appreciated. So I'm taping this on late Tuesday night. I'm heading down to Tampa. I'm going to have pods for you from different locations, but I got to fly out. So I got to fly out tomorrow, which is Wednesday, which is today. If you're watching and listening, I got to fly out of Providence. So we're recording this one. Apologies for any breaking news that we might miss over the next several hours and Obviously not being able to go back and forth with you in the comments and interact like we usually do when we go live. But I figured some content, recorded content, better than zero content on this Wednesday. I hope you agree with me. Let's start with Mac Jones. Obviously, Mac Jones is very, very polarizing. He is still polarizing to a lot of Patriots fans. He is still part of the discussion here in New England, even though he was benched. You know, what, the latter stages of this season, finally, we thought that he should be benched after that game in Germany against the Colts. Bill Belichick waited an extra week or two for whatever reason, but he eventually got benched. Still a polarizing guy. And still to this day, I have people asking me, will Mac Jones return? Should he return? Is that part of the plan? Now, I'm not intending to feed the flames here having this conversation about Mac Jones. That is not the intention of this podcast. I just simply can't ignore some of these stories regarding Mac Jones and some of the things that have been written by legitimate, incredible authors and journalists about Mac Jones and a possible return in 2024. Mike Sando from The Athletic, very respected journalist, he wrote this. Promoting Mayo to replace Belichick gives the Crafts the opposite of a power coach. After decades of appearing indebted to Belichick and Brady, They now have a coach indebted to them. Here's what a veteran coach said to Mike Sando of The Athletic. Quote, there is one guy who has been doing it for 20 years, and now everyone has got their say, and it has the potential to be Dallas all over again. The owner has been held back for 20 years. He is going to be involved. His son is going to want to be involved. It will be interesting if they tell the coach it was Bill's fault with Mac Jones, and he can play, and we got to get him right. So there's a coach saying to Mike Sando, you know, watch out. Jonathan Kraft could be the next Stephen Jones. This thing could go like Dallas went when Jimmy Johnson left. And if that's the case, the Krafts might fight for Mac Jones to stay and have an opportunity to be the starting quarterback of 2024. Sando writes, Mayo was with Jones the past three seasons as a Belichick assistant. So he'll have his own evaluation. Then we had Mike Reese, and we all know Mike Reese. On Sunday, he wrote this. On Wednesday, after Mayo was introduced as the 15th head coach in Patriots history, he walked into the weight room and saw a familiar face. Quote, Mac Jones was in there working out, Mayo told ESPN. That attitude, that mentality of changing the page is something that I hold high, unquote. 
Reese writes, could Jones's once promising career be revived? Perhaps similar to what unfolded with the Miami Dolphins two years ago with Tua Tungavailoa when Mike McDaniel was hired to replace Brian Flores. Mayo is leaving all possibilities open, saying he is in the evaluation stage at every position, including coaches. Reese follows that up by writing it was an icy ending to the Belichick-Jones pairing, with some, such as former NFL quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, having previously drawn a parallel to what unfolded with Flores and Tungavailoa in Miami. Whether that same dynamic could unfold in New England with Mayo and a new offensive coordinator is among the lingering questions on week ace of a seismic change for the organization. So there's Mike Reese writing. After Sando wrote this in The Athletic, there he is writing saying, hey, look, could this end up being the Miami Dolphins? With Tua, Mike McDaniel taking over for Brian Flores, could the same thing happen in New England with Belichick out Mayo in with a new offensive coordinator to work with and get back to what he was in, in 2021. And Reese writes that that is one of the lingering questions, which means the question still remains. Could Mac Jones, will Mac Jones return next season? Then we had Gerard on with Greg Hill on the Greg Hill show, WEEI on Monday. Andrew Callahan posted this. Mayo on whether the team failed to support Jones last year. Quote, there was enough blame to go around, unquote. Callahan writes, he said, Mac and the coaching staff both made mistakes. Quote, we were trying to help him with that confidence, unquote. Another post from Callahan. Mayo raises player leadership in tough times and gets asked about Mac. Mayo says Mac has talent, then notes, the confidence of a player is very fragile. Then he added, you know these guys can play football, they're here for a reason. Taylor Kyles, CLNS, posted this from the Gerard Mayo interview on EEI. Mayo says that he won't confirm whether there was a locker room split, but that people had differing opinions on the quarterback situation. Also notes how Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi are both figuring out what kind of players they are and that it isn't as easy as having a locked-in QB1 like Tom Brady. All right. So we see those stories. We see those posts. We have the interview from Mayo on Monday with Greg Hill. I know Zolak went on, Zoe and Bertrand, I think it was last week, saying, hey, this is possible. Mac Jones could return. You got to keep an eye on Mac Jones. Look, anything is possible. Anything is possible. I'm not going to completely write off this idea that Mac Jones could return in 2024. However, I will say, I do not, I do not think that happens. I don't think Mac Jones will be a Patriot in 2024. I don't think Mac Jones will be QB1 for Gerard Mayo week one of the season. I don't see it happening. Let's start with this idea. Before we get to the idea, let's actually start with a thumbs up. If you're watching, give us that thumbs up. Every single thumb counts, as we say here on the Nick Cattle Show. All the likes. More likes means more eyeballs. Throw in a comment after this show is done. Throw in a comment while you're watching the show. And also, don't forget to subscribe. The traffic is building. The momentum is building. And it's all because of you. Liking, commenting, and subscribing. Apple Pods, Spotify, rate and review. And you can also leave a comment as well. So let's get back to first things first and why I think Mac Jones will not be with the Patriots in 2024. 
we go back to the podcast that we did yesterday, okay? And we talked about Robert Kraft and Mayo and how big of an offseason this is and the idea that Mayo's replacing Belichick and all the pressure that comes with that. Mayo's going to want to win, and he's going to want to win quickly. This is not going to be, in his eyes, a three- to four-year rebuild. He doesn't have that time. Not with the pressure of replacing the GOAT on the table here. Robert Kraft, we talked about the pressure that he faces. He pointed the finger at Belichick. He blamed Belichick for everything during the adios press conference. And so now Robert Kraft has to prove a lot here. Kraft and Mayo have a lot riding on 2024. And do you honestly think with that much riding on this upcoming season, that they are going to tie themselves to Mac Jones after what we saw last year. And I was a fan of Mac Jones when he was drafted. I was a fan of Mac Jones in 2021. I am of the belief, and I know many of you would disagree with this, I am of the belief that Mac Jones was broken by Bill Belichick and how they handled him, how they did not support him, a bad offensive line, all of those things. We've discussed it over and over and over again. I don't have to go too deep with that. That's how I feel. I thought when he was drafted out of Alabama, I watched him a lot at Alabama. He was an average to above average quarterback. He was the type of quarterback that needed everything around him to be sound and good. And if he doesn't have skill position players that are really good electric yards after the catch kind of guys, if he doesn't have an offensive line that could protect him and keep him standing consistently throughout a football game. If those things fail him, if he has a mediocre run game, if those things fail him, he's not going to be very good. His ceiling to me was always top 12 to 15 in the league, about middle, about middle ground in the NFL. Okay. That's who I thought he was. I never thought he was elite. I never thought he was a top 10 quarterback. I always knew that he had limited physical traits. We all knew that. We all knew that. So that's where I stand on the player. But the idea after what happened last season that Gerard Mayo and Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft in a crucial, pivotal season in 2024 would be willing to tie themselves to Mac Jones as the QB1, I think, is very, very difficult to sell. It's nearly impossible for me to believe after what we saw against Dallas in New Orleans in the Colts game in the Giants game after what we saw this past season to believe that ownership and Gerard Mayo are going to remain married to Mac. It's a very, very difficult thing for me to believe very difficult. So that's number one, too big of a year for Mayo and Kraft. Number two, the Patriots have a golden opportunity in late April to draft a projected stud quarterback. And I know people will sit there and they'll say, well, Nick, that's what they did in 2021. They drafted Mac. Look at what happened with Mac. Well, let's start here. Mac Jones was the fifth quarterback drafted in the 21 draft. And let me just tell you, I've done some research on quarterbacks in the draft over the past 20 years or so for a future podcast we're going to do here. And let me just tell you, the idea that five quarterbacks are going to hit in a single draft is borderline ridiculous. 
Now, I'm not saying Mac, because he was the fifth guy chosen, that meant he had no chance. I'm just telling you, the fact that he was the fifth quarterback off the board should be an indication as to his ceiling and how teams saw him. Now, we could talk about the Niners. The Niners thought that, you know, he might go number three to them. Of course, they decided to draft Trey Lance. That didn't work out well. But as we see with Brock Purdy, as we saw with Jimmy G, the San Francisco system is different. And if you think you're going to hit on as many picks as the Niners hit on, and I'm talking about middle round picks, they drafted guys who ended up being all pros in the middle rounds of the draft. That, that's uh, just a, a, an insane track record. Their draft history over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. They hit on so many guys in the third, fourth, fifth round. It's Brock Purdy. Even if you don't think he's great. The fact that he was the last pick in the draft. And he's in the NFC championship game like that doesn't happen. Okay, so. The idea that, oh, well, you drafted a guy in 2021 and that flamed out. The idea that you compare that draft to this draft to me is silly. You have a top three pick. A top three pick. And you're sitting there with the opportunity to draft. Caleb Williams going to be gone. With the opportunity to draft Jaden Daniels or Drake May. Are you telling me that you are going to be willing, if you're the Patriots, you don't end up in the top three very often. You don't end up in the top five very often. It's the first time the Patriots have a top three pick since 1993 when they drafted Drew Bledsoe. You don't get this opportunity very often. So you're telling me if the Patriots love these three quarterbacks, if the Patriots feel like any three of these quarterbacks have the potential to be future franchise QB1s. You are going to pass up that opportunity because of Mac Jones. I don't see it happening. I don't see this team passing up a possible franchise quarterback with the third pick overall off the hope that Mac Jones will find himself and turn things around. And even if Mac Jones does find himself and turn things around, what is Max ceiling versus the ceiling of Drake May or Jaden Daniels? I think all of us would agree. May and Daniels have a much, much higher ceiling than Mac Jones. And I don't see the scenario that plays out where the Patriots would be looking at Daniels slash May and say to themselves, yeah, but you know, Mac did look uh, pretty good in, in that Buffalo game. <laughs> I just, I don't see that happening. Now let's talk about money. The fifth-year option for Mac Jones has to be picked up in May. So you've got about four months, right? Around four months, three to four months to pick up this fifth-year option for Mac Jones. I'm telling you right now, that fifth-year option has no chance of being picked up. There's no chance in hell that the Patriots are going to guarantee tens of millions of dollars to Mac Jones in 2025 based off of what they saw in 2023. You could be the biggest Mac Jones fanboy, and you're still not going to guarantee that money. It would be irresponsible if the Patriots did that. So if you're not going to pick up that 50-year option, that means 
that 2024 is the final year that Jones is under contract. So play that out. You have Jones under $3 million this year, which is freaking fantastic, right? That works for you. That That's fine. But if Mac Jones is good, now you're looking at two options. You either franchise tag him, which is going to cost you tens of millions of dollars and screw around with your payroll because you've got to pay it in that year. So you either franchise tag him or you extend him. Let me ask you this. How good would Mac Jones have to be for you to actually extend him to 2027, 2028, 2029? Mac Jones would have to be, what, five times, eight times, ten times better than he was in his rookie season to justify paying him a contract extension that would give him $35 million annually for a four- to five-year period? Do you see that happening? Do you think that's even possible? And let's also think of this. If you bring Mac back in 2024 and he's not good, he's maybe slightly better than what we saw against the Giants, he's a middling quarterback, then you wasted an entire season. You wasted 2024 on the hope of Mac Jones. And the worst case scenario is that you would bring Mac back He plays okay, but not good enough to keep his job for 2025, but yet you win seven or eight games and you're drafting 10th, 11th, 12th, and now you miss that golden opportunity this year with the top three pick to draft that quarterback. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's also look at the team dynamic. The offensive line is not going to be great. Now, hopefully it's going to be better than it was this year, but you need both of your starting tackles. You don't know how long Cole Strange is going to be out. You don't know if City So is going to develop and be better next year than he was this year. You don't know if David Andrews is going to retire or not. He did say he felt like he still had a lot left in the tank. But he left the door open saying, well, I got to go home. I got to go hunting, hang out with the kid. So is David Andrews back? And you have to remember Mac Jones and what kind of quarterback he is. Behind an average offensive line, he's already behind the eight ball. So if you're going to have an average offensive line, you need somebody who is more dynamic than Mac and much more athletic than Mac. That's what you need. You also have to think about the leadership, the vibe. You know, how do his teammates feel? Will Mac Jones be able to get buy-in from his teammates if he comes back next year? Those are all very difficult questions to answer in a positive way, the way this season went. You don't want to walk into next year with a guy who 
is questionable on the field with questionable leadership, a questionable vibe, questionable buy-in from his teammates. So why are we reading these kinds of reports? Why are the Patriots publicly keeping the door open? And why do I think the Patriots will continue to keep that door open when Mac is brought up? It's because they want to try to save some of his trade value that absolutely cratered throughout this season. And if they go out there and they make it sound like they're giving up on the guy, then teams out there are going to know. So you, you try to, you try to keep this thing going a little bit. You try to hold as much value as you can with Mac. And you talk about him being in the weight room and I'm sure we'll have reports. We're going to have leaks before the draft that Mac Jones is working hard and the Patriots believe that he might be able to turn things around and, you know, his teammates feel a different way about him than you might think they feel about him. To me, it's all building value for the draft because they're hoping on draft weekend they'll be able to trade Mac Jones for something. Fifth round pick, conditional fourth round pick, something. That's why it's happening. Don't forget to leave a thumbs up, your comments, your subscriptions. That's why the last two weeks have been the most successful weeks that we've had here with this podcast. And it's all because of you, you guys and, and gals watching and reacting and liking. That's all the difference in the world. So like, comment, and subscribe. If you're on Apple Pods or Spotify, don't forget to rate and review. All right, let's jump to something else here. Let's talk about the little Belichicks. In the same piece that Mike Reese wrote about Gerard Mayo and Mac Jones, he wrote this about the Belichicks. Steve and Brian have been told they've earned the opportunity to remain with the Patriots if they choose to do so. Mayo and Steve have a close friendship. We've talked about that on this pod before. So the projected fit on staff would be as an assistant head coach slash senior advisor type. That's interesting. Brian, who came up through scouting and most recently served as safeties coach from 2020 to 2023, was still showing up at Gillette Stadium late this past week. Mayo on the Greg Hill Show confirmed that the two guys had been welcomed back if they want to return. Now, it's very interesting, the Steve Belichick piece. I haven't seen many people talk about this over the last few days, but the idea that Steve would be coming in as an assistant head coach and senior advisor, that doesn't sound like a defensive coordinator. Would Steve be working with DeMarcus Covington if Covington becomes the D.C.? Is Steve Belichick going to be the Ernie Adams for Gerard Mayo? What, what, what is this role, the assistant head coach and senior advisor? What is that role? Is he going to be up in the booth and not on the sidelines? It's a fascinating nugget from Mike Reese. They obviously don't feel like Steve Belichick can play the role of defensive coordinator across the board. And what I mean by that is Gerard Mayo led team meetings. Gerard Mayo came up with the game plans. And from what I have heard and read, it sounds like Belichick is not the most comfortable. Steve Belichick is not the most comfortable guy in the front of the room delivering a message to a team as far as rah-rah speech, motivate, get the guys going. He doesn't really have that type of personality. And so, you know, Gerard was the guy that was at the front of the room delivering the message with passion and, and, and impact. So maybe 
Gerard looks at Steve and says, he doesn't have the personality traits to truly lead a defense throughout the week, into the game, and get the guys in the right frame of mind. So maybe Steve would have that role of assistant head coach and senior advisor, and Demarcus Covington becomes your defensive coordinator. And that way, you have the trio. You have the triumvirate. You have Mayo, Covington, and Steve Belichick. Now, Brian Belichick, you know, look, the safeties have played pretty well. Duggar was not great for most of this season. You could blame that on a bad fit. He's more of an inbox safety. And so, you know, you look at Brian, Brian's hanging around. He was not at Gerard Mayo's press conference, which is interesting because Reese wrote that Brian was in the building. Well, if he was in the building, if he was around the facility, but he didn't go to the press conference, what's that tell you? Did he not go to the press conference because he thought it would be awkward because he's Bill's son? Well, if the press conference is going to be awkward, being a coach on the staff for the guy who replaced your father is not going to be awkward. So I I don't know. Maybe, maybe he becomes a defensive backs coach. But I, I think you'll see both Belichick's move on if Bill gets another job, if he lands in Atlanta, which seemingly is the only job right now Bill has a chance of landing unless something pops up. I know Mike Florio's out there saying that a team that's not looking for a head coach currently could be looking for a head coach. We'll see. Florio also preached to us that the Washington commanders were going to be hot on the trail. And that has not been the case from what we know. So we'll keep an eye on the Belichicks. Don't forget to like, give us that thumbs up. Takes one second of your time. Means the world to me, means the world to this community. Give us that thumbs up. If you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, slash X, YouTube, give us that like, comment, and subscribe. If you ask me, I have no issue with keeping everyone on the defensive side. I know some people, they might get their stomach upset by reading Steve Belichick and Brian Belichick might stay, and that's been the case going back to, I think it was Burt Breer with the original report saying that the Belichicks had been offered to stay if they wanted to. I don't find a problem with it as long as they can handle things personally. If it's going to cause infighting, if there's going to be an issue for Gerard not trusting them, then that's a problem. But if they can handle all of that and not bring drama into the room, I have no issue with it. You know, Doug Kide posted this going back a few days ago. Steve Belichick criticism drives me crazy. Since Steve and Gerard took over the Patriots defense in 2019, the Patriots defense has been first in EPA per play against. And I mentioned that in a prior podcast. Statistically, analytically, this defense has been pretty damn good with Mayo and Steve Belichick running it. So I don't have a problem with keeping the defensive staff intact. If you tell me Demarcus Covington's back, Steve Belichick's back, Brian Belichick's back, you've got Gerard Mayo up top, maybe you add Hodges, who interviewed, who was co-defensive coordinator with Covington back at Eastern Illinois in 2016. If you tell me that you're keeping the brain trust behind this defense, obviously, aside from Bill, who's gone, I have no problem with it. Defense has not been the issue with this football team. And if you want to keep that continuity, I'm fine with it. No issue whatsoever.
And you have to believe that Mayo is confident that Brian and Steve wouldn't create any drama. Because if he thought that, I don't think they extend the olive branch and say, hey, you can come back if you'd like. Another thing about this story regarding the Belichicks, this to me would be a prime example of Mayo taking advantage of titles and maybe a little bit of extra scarole to build the staff. When we think about Belichick and his staff, Bill Belichick and his staff, it wasn't a very big staff. There wasn't a ton of money thrown towards the staff. And with Gerard Mayo, first-time head coach, I think it is so important to surround him with a staff that you believe in. And with as many people that you can put on the staff that you believe in, then you put them on the staff. I don't care if you have to double the size of the staff from 2023 to 2024, you do it. The Crafts should be willing to do whatever it takes to make Gerard Mayo a successful head coach, to put him in a position to be a successful head coach and say, we did everything we could as owners. Now it's up to you, Gerard. And so Gerard talking about titles at his introductory press conference, I think that's important. I think that's important because if you can mess around with some titles and you can keep guys because you bump them up via title, you give them a little extra money, if you can move the pieces around the board in a way that makes everybody happy and you get as much talent as you can get on this staff, then mission accomplished. So I would not be surprised if Gerard, who comes from, you know, let's not forget, after football went into the corporate business world, I would not be surprised whatsoever if Gerard utilizes titles and takes advantage of those titles to take maybe some guys from other teams and to promote from within to make this staff as good as it can be. The goal would be to create a developmental program within the staff. And that's, you know, Bill failed to do that. The staff wasn't a very big staff and he failed to develop people underneath. And then when people might've been in the position like a Nick Cayley back in 2022, Bill would not give the gig to Cayley. And whether or not he was willing to allow Nick Cayley to call the plays or it was he didn't want to name Cayley the offensive coordinator for whatever reason, the relationship went sour and Cayley went west to L.A. And you lost a good coach off of your staff because of it. Which to me seems petty. But it is what it is. And that's what it was. So create a developmental program. We've mentioned this. If you hire a Zach Robinson as your offensive coordinator, then you need people underneath Zach Robinson because Zach Robinson is going to end up getting a head coaching gig at some point over the next year or two if he does a good job with the Patriots. And this is how you build the staff. You pluck people from other programs. You give them a little bit of extra money. You give them maybe a little bit better of a title. You make them feel good about themselves. They grow within the staff. Zach Robinson leaves. Somebody takes over. Kyle Shanahan has done this for years. Now, Kyle Shanahan's different and Sean McVay's different because they obviously call the plays. Zach Taylor, same thing in Cincinnati. Mike McDaniel in Miami. 
but you grow the staff from within. That way, when somebody leaves, you are in a position to replace that person. And to be fair to Belichick, part of the story also is losing guys to other teams to be head coaches and those guys pulling people from your program. Chad O'Shea got pulled down to Miami by Brian Flores, for example, right? Josh McDaniels brought a bunch of dudes out to Vegas. So that is part of the story. But it, it traces back to Belichick not being ready when McDaniels left to give that title to Nick Cayley and trust him and feel like they developed him to the point where he could be that guy. They cannot do that with Gerard Mayo. That part of this operation has to be much, much better starting in 2024. All right, so I'm on a flight right now as you watch this or actually just running around a, an airport, TF Green and Warwick. So hopefully you enjoyed the podcast today. Again, if there was any breaking news, we apologize for not getting to it. Can't get to it with this being recorded. But if there is breaking news and it's big enough, I will get to it. So be on the lookout. Maybe it'll be tonight. Maybe it'll be a super duper Uber podcast tomorrow morning. But I will get to it. If it's big enough, the news, we will get to it. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up, comment, subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify and Apple Pods, rate and review. Every Monday through Friday on YouTube, 11 a.m., usually live. You can catch us until tomorrow, unless there's breaking news. This has been the Nick Cattle Show.